Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up everyone, welcome to episode 185 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host Mike Morrison, thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm actually doing something a little bit different for this week's episode of the podcast. I'm going to give you a bit of an insight into the behind the scenes of possibly the biggest and most exciting thing that we're doing here at the Membership Guys in 2019. And that is running our very first live event. So we're putting on a two-day conference in September 2019 and it's called Retain Live. So this is a huge, huge deal for us and I know that a lot of you guys listening uh, are either thinking about running events for your own memberships or maybe that's something that you'd love to do long term and actually I know quite a few people in our audience already run live events of various different sizes. So I thought it would be interesting, I thought you guys would at the very least maybe be a little bit entertained or have your curiosity satisfied by hearing some of the gory details about our journey in in making Retain 2019 happen. So the event itself is happening in about nine months time. So we are still in the midst of that whole journey. We're still bringing everything together. So this is kind of the story so far. Hopefully you'll pick up either some uh, pointers if you're looking at running live events yourself, or as I said, maybe it'll just satisfy the curiosity out there about what actually goes in to running a live event. Okay, so if you happen to have been living under a rock and you haven't actually heard us talking about our conference, then head on over to retainlive.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-N-L-I-V-E dot com. For those of you who can't quite decipher my accent, head over to retainlive.com. That'll give you a bit of info about it. Essentially, it's a two-day conference that we're running here in the UK on the 11th to the 12th of September 2019. And the conference is entirely focused around membership growth. So it's aimed at people who have an existing membership site and they want to grow it. Whether that growth means attracting new members, whether it means improving retention, increasing the member lifetime value and the lifetime spend, whether it means expanding their business into bringing other products and offerings, whether it's physical products, offline stuff like doing your own event or merchandise, equipment, that sort of stuff. Or maybe growth just means getting better organized, getting your processes in place, expanding your team, that sort of stuff. Retain Live is entirely focused on people in that growth stage. And it's something we're extremely excited about. Without question, it's the biggest and most daunting thing that we've done. So if you don't know anything about the event, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, hit pause on your podcast player, head over to retainlive.com and then Come back here once you've got the full scoop on what the event is all about. Okay, so let's start right at the beginning. Why are we running a conference? Where did the idea come from and why now? Well, we've known since day one of our business that we wanted to run a big event, but we knew that we'd need to have patience. We knew since day one, but we knew we couldn't do it on day one or we couldn't start that process from day one. The reason for that is that the academy 
Member Site Academy has always been our number one priority. And we had some lofty plans for the Academy that we knew would take time and we knew would take precedence in our business for a number of years as our vision for the Academy was fleshed out. So we've been doing a lot of product development over the last few years, a lot of brand building, a lot of refinement of our customer experience and our offering and all of that sort of stuff. And that has really been top of our list in terms of what we've been working on since we opened the doors of the Academy back in 2015. But as we were mapping out our 2018 plans, we knew that we were close to that perfect vision of our membership being fully realized. So we didn't have to think too much longer about any major product development. There's no more new big features to be built. All of the pieces of the puzzle were in place for Member Site Academy, and we'd achieved a level of consistent exponential growth with our membership. So we were on very, very solid ground. And in thinking about what our plans from there were going to be, we knew that the time was right to take things to that next level. And for us, running our own conference was top of the list of things to do at that next level. However, just because you've had success with one thing, in our case, Member Site Academy, doesn't guarantee success with another. So we knew that we had to test the water. Now, we'd been chatting about this, we'd brought it up to a few people, and we'd had a great response about the event from everyone we'd mentioned it to in passing, but we really knew we had to gauge our community's reaction. We had to validate this idea and not just run into it blindly. So first of all, we set up a small survey that we took to our members, and we just outright asked them, is this something that you'd be interested in? If we run a conference for membership site owners, will you come? Now, we anticipated that there'd be a positive response, and we got a positive response, a unanimously positive response. Everybody said, yes, put on an event for membership site owners, and we will come. And so the next step was to essentially get those people to put their money where their mouth is. You know, it's very easy to click yes on a survey when someone says, would you come to a membership conference if we ran one? It's very easy to say nice things when somebody tells you about the idea they have for the event, but there's no real commitment being made in providing that feedback. So we had to do something to gauge the likelihood, the probability that people would actually buy tickets if we went ahead and booked a venue and actually started moving forward with our plans for this event. We open up an initial sale of tickets for the event just to our members, kind of, I wouldn't say under the radar, but we didn't make any noise about it. We didn't talk about it publicly. We just went to our members and did this limited time pre-sale. And Callie and myself decided that if we hit a target of just 25 ticket sales, then that would be our green light. If we couldn't sell 25 tickets, then there was no way that this was an idea worth pursuing. We'd already determined that we'd be aiming for around about 150 attendees for this conference. So for us, 25 sales of a conference sight unseen, which means there was no sales page, no specifics given, no noise made about it. It was a year in advance. If we could sell 25 tickets on that basis, sight unseen, that was a good indicator for us that we could sell this conference out once we actually took a really fully fleshed out offering to the market. Now, when planning a conference like this for the first time, you find yourself in a little bit of a catch-22 situation. Without any specific details to speak of, like a confirmed date and location, or some information about your speaker lineup and so on, without those specifics, it's going to be hard to convince people to buy a ticket, right? 
because they have no idea what they're buying. But you can't confirm a date until you book a venue. And doing that involves, in most cases, paying a sizable deposit, which you obviously don't want to do because you could end up out of pocket. You could end up paying thousands to book a conference room and then find out that no one has any interest in your event idea. And you don't want to mess potential speakers around either. You don't want to go and get people booked up and get commitments from them when you don't have a date or if that date is likely to change or get moved around or if you're going to end up having to cancel it. And you don't want to mess your potential speakers around either. So in most cases, you can't just go to them with a half-baked idea and expect to get their commitment. So it's a catch-22. It's hard to sell tickets without some specifics of the event, but you can't get those specifics locked down without making a commitment, and it's risky to make those commitments without selling tickets. However, this is where having a membership is extremely useful because you've got that deeper relationship and that deeper connection and rapport and understanding of your user base. And because of that, we felt and we were confident that we knew our member base well enough to have that confidence that this is something that they would go for. When we talk about people putting their money where their mouth is, we had a lot more confidence than we would do if we were dealing with a cold audience and trying to guess what they might want. These guys are our people, right? They are members. So that gave us more confidence than you might have in another situation. And having the membership also meant that they had that trust in us, which makes it far easier to do the type of pre-sell that we did. Because when I say sight unseen for our pre-sale, I really mean it. We went to our community and we asked them to buy tickets for an event that had no name, no specific date, no set location, no speakers announced or even hinted at other than myself and Callie, which we knew for some people would be a big draw, but we knew that isn't the only thing they would come to the event for. We didn't even have a specific theme. So I talked at the beginning of the episode about the fact that Retain is very much focused on membership growth. We hadn't even locked that in at this point. So we were going with no details whatsoever and we asked people to buy tickets for that. Now we did give some maybes, we gave some probablys. We told people it would probably be in September, that it was almost certainly going to be in the UK, and that it was most likely going to be in Newcastle, but you know, that was open for change. But we really made sure that we didn't lock ourselves into anything that we then need to change later on, either because we decided it was the wrong way to go, or, you know, it might have turned out that we couldn't find any venues in Newcastle that were available in September, so we'd either have to change the month, or we'd have to change the location, or whatever. So we were very non-committal when asking other people to make a commitment in buying a ticket. We did have some conditions in place that helped minimize the risk for people purchasing a ticket. We had a very generous refund period and refund condition, I suppose, that basically said that once we do come out and confirm the specifics, so once we confirm the date and the speakers and the theme and the location, if someone had bought a ticket but then decided that they didn't want to come, either because the event isn't what they were expecting or they realised that they couldn't make it, maybe there was something else in the diary, then they could get a full refund and the period that we gave people to take advantage of that, again, was very generous. I think we said within 60 days of us confirming these details, you can come to us for any reason and get your money back. So, 
that really eliminated a lot of the risk for people and made it easier for them to take a chance. Because that's essentially what we were asking people to do. We were asking them to take a punt, to take a chance and a trust in us to deliver an event that they would be very happy that they'd bought a ticket for in advance. Now, in the end, only one person asked for a refund and it was purely because there was a conflict in his schedule. But funnily enough, a couple of months later, he came back to us and he repurchased his ticket after he'd been able to move some stuff around. And because this guy is a long-term member and because he had originally had that faith in us to purchase a pre-sale ticket, we allowed him to buy his ticket back at that original pre-sale price as well. So ultimately, everyone who bought a pre-sale ticket is coming to the event. So as I mentioned, we'd said that if we hit our target of just 25 sales, then it would be a green light on running our conference. And if we missed that target, we'd refund everybody and would put the whole idea of an event to bed. And honestly, we would have been fine with either outcome. We wouldn't have wanted to push forward on an idea that we'd essentially proven had no legs, but being able to actually confidently say, you know what? I took this idea, I tested the water, this isn't going to work. Now, with complete confidence, I can decide not to do this. That would have been a positive for us as well, because you always have those little things in the back of your head. Wouldn't it be great if we did this? I wonder whether people would be interested in this. The ability to actually cross something off your list and to retire an idea is just as valuable as actually being able to pursue it. Because it frees up your mental bandwidth and it allows you to better focus on the stuff that is working. So honestly, we would have been happy enough if things had gone in either direction. That's why we were being very pragmatic about that decision. As it turned out, we smashed our target and so it was all systems go. From there, we started fleshing things out. We decided on the theme of the event, focusing specifically on membership growth rather than the more beginner level stuff. We reached out to some initial speakers and we got their commitment. We started researching AV companies, planning our sponsorship packages and so on. And of course, we started looking at venues. And this is when we hit our first big hurdle. We'd identified a clear favourite venue to hold the event. It ticked so many of our boxes. It was close to transport links. It had ample parking. It had a room with lots of character. It was kind of a signature room that people would be talking about and taking pictures of and stuff like that. It had great space for socialising, close to restaurants, bars, all of that sort of stuff. Lots of boxes ticked off the list. And it was in budget, which was great. Because, again, when you're starting this stuff out, you don't necessarily know when you're planning your budget what's realistic. Unless you have an exact replica style of event to compare to. And in Newcastle, we didn't. So at the time, this was definitely our clear favourite venue according to you know our, our wish list of everything that we needed. According to our objective to have about 150 people in the room. This did take so many boxes and it was the first venue that we actually visited. So we went to see the venue. Great. We had our meeting with the events team and we came away from that feeling pretty elated, pretty excited. I mean, wow, this event malarkey is pretty easy, right? We picked a venue, visited it, booked the venue, all in the space of 48 hours. When people tell you that this stuff is difficult, what the hell are they talking about? Me and Callie have never organised an event of this scale before, and in two days we've 
gone from looking at this massive list of potential places to having a venue locked down, and it's perfect. We are rocking this. And then we got the email. Extra costs, extra conditions, ludicrous changes to what we discussed, stuff that just made no sense. They actually wanted us, as an example, to pack up all of our staging and all of our stuff at the end of day one, put it somewhere, no idea where, so that they could have another event running on that night time when we weren't using the room, and then we'd have to come back in after those guys were done and set up our staging again, and, you know, setting up event staging is no small task, sorting out the audio-visual, all that sort of stuff. We need to get whoever's helping us with the AV to come in in the wee hours of the morning, set everything up again on the morning of day two, and... As soon as it hit 5pm, at the end of day two, we need to pull everything down. It needs to look like we weren't there because, again, they want to have a different event use that room on the night time. Oh, and by the way, we could no longer have use of the room the day before, which we'd asked to have in order to obviously set something up and all of that. And they said, sure, it'll, you know, we'll charge you maybe an extra four or five hundred. But because there's no catering and all of that, um, obviously it won't cost as much as the other days. But you can have it all day, nice and convenient. That was no longer the case unless we paid them an extra three thousand. And the reason for this, the reason they basically gave us for all of these extra costs and conditions is that having us book the room means that other people can't book the room and so they'll, they lose money. You're not mishearing this. The fact that we booked the room meant that other people couldn't book the room. So they want to charge us more because of the fact that what? they couldn't double book made no sense to us i'm sure it makes no sense to you it was just bizarre and the emails kept coming this was just the tip of the iceberg those emails kept coming those changes those extra costs each one more ridiculous than the last it very quickly became clear that not only did this venue not really grasp the concept of the type of event that we were doing and the notion that when we want to book a room for two days, it was on the understanding that it would be from the start of day one to the end of day two and that sort of stuff. But they were also just on another planet on the commercial front too. This all came within hours of the initial agreement and the hold on the room being signed. And then, right as we were reeling from the realisation that everything was falling apart with our venue, that's when we hit hurdle number two. So we'd actually decided on a name for this event fairly early on, and it was not Retain. It was a different name. I'm not going to say what it is for reasons that will become apparent, but it was a good name. It was catchy. We liked it. It was fun. We'd already started to have some ideas of how we could incorporate the name into a theme and do lots of funky stuff with it. Now, while we hadn't announced that name or used it publicly, we were referring to the event by this name when we were talking about it. That is what it was called. Our project board in Asana was called this word uh, when we were booking the venue we booked it in this name so as far as we were concerned it was set in stone that was going to be the name it wasn't going to change and of course 
because it was set in stone and we'd we were happy with that decision we'd gone ahead and we'd registered a whole bunch of domain names for this event too event live event conference event 2019 all of that sort of stuff and then one night as we were trying to cheer ourselves up in the midst of all these issues that we were having with the venue we got talking about our long-term plans so you know we decided we're going to let's focus on the positives let's think long term let's start to really envisage what this could become and so you know we we both agreed that we wanted we wanted this conference it wasn't retained at the time we wanted this conference to be something that was long term it was something we wanted to do year after year and that we wanted to build upon and build upon so to kind of cement that commitment I went off, as most of you probably have done before, as soon as you make this kind of decision or you decide a direction for your business, you go to GoDaddy or you go to whatever business you use, whatever site you use to register your domains. So almost my kind of flag in the sand, yeah, this is going to be a long-term thing. And as such, I'm going to go away and register domain names for the following years. So we already had event name 2019. Okay. I'm going to go and get event name 2020. I'm going to get event name 2021 and all that to cement our commitment to this as a long-term plan. But something odd happened. My search for event name 2020, it was gone. It was taken. Why would someone register the 2020 version of this domain without registering 2019? Bearing in mind, this was still kind of August, September 2018. So... There was still time, presumably, to do a conference in 2019. So then I looked for the 2021 version, and that was taken as well, as was the 2022, as was the 2023. Now, initially, when I saw the 2021 was taken, I wondered whether someone was just kind of doing a play on the whole 2020 vision. Maybe there was something in the theme around clarity or something, but it was real odd. That event name 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 was taken. So I did some digging, and it turned out that they were, predictably, all registered by the same company. And when we saw who that company was, it was like someone had kicked me in the stomach. This was a multi-billion, with a B, dollar, multinational brand. A big, big name, a big brand, a big player in the online space that had over the last six months or so that started making some noises some moves into being a little more membership site centric now not membership sites necessarily in the same uh the the same category of the type of memberships we deal with but they started using the word membership to describe some of the aspects of what they had started offering on their platform. So they were very much kind of edging a little into a related space. Now, we're not just talking about an online entrepreneur here. We're not talking about a small business. We are talking about a massive, massive brand. Not quite as massive as Facebook, Twitter and all that, but talked about on this almost in the same ish breath maybe i don't know um yeah so i'm not gonna say who it is because that could land us in some trouble possibly but needless to say that was pretty much the end of that name for us because even though if we pushed ahead and we'd use that name for the conference we'd be able to demonstrate fair use and it was totally fair use as well you know we hadn't discovered prior to that point that uh, they had domain names for that 
So without being a legal expert, I w- I'm confident that we would have been totally within our rights to use this name. They didn't have a trademark registered. They didn't have any copyright. They didn't have a single use of this term anywhere anywhere at all previously and they weren't using those domain names that registered either they were just parked and actually those domain names were purchased after we purchased ours but it didn't matter they were such a big company that the best case scenario is that if we'd gone ahead and used this name people would assume we'd copied from those guys Worst case scenario, this was the type of company that would have the resources to make it pretty painful for us if we did use that brand. Regardless of us being in the right legally, they could essentially make it so that that just didn't matter. So we had to decide whether this was a hill worth dying on. Make no mistake, if this was just another online entrepreneur, if this was someone who is kind of a peer or something like that in our industry then we would have gone ahead and we were perfectly right to do so. But this was an entirely different animal. And honestly, this really was a gut punch. In the space of just two days, two or three days, we'd gone from having our first choice venue that we were excited about, a brand that we really liked, that we'd start thinking of some fun themes around. We'd gone from that to having an event that had no venue, that had no name and because there was no venue we had no date and so we're just taking steps back and steps back and steps back all that stuff I said at the beginning about how important it is to be able to actually get the venue so you can lock down the dates and then you'd lock down the dates so you can lock down the speakers and you have to do all that to sell tickets that was just coming undone I won't lie to you we thought about giving up at that point we honestly thought that there was just no point doing it. The first two big things, the first two things we did in making our vision a reality had already blown up on us. In a matter of days, we hadn't dropped the ball, but someone had just come along and whacked it out of our hand and then stamped on it and burst it and made the ball unusable. Why were we doing this? Was it worth it? Was it just going to be setback after setback? Was this a sign of things to come? You know, we weren't making, we weren't running this event as a major profit generator. It's not something we needed to do to grow our business, to make more money. It's something we wanted to do for our audience, for ourselves, for our brand. But if we weren't doing it, it wouldn't hurt us. And we were so early on in the process that we wouldn't really lose much in terms of brand equity, in terms of uh, having to give money back to the people who bought the pre-sale tickets. We'd put that money aside because of the fact we'd given quite a generous refund uh, condition at the beginning anyway when we did the pre-sale. So we wouldn't lose anything. We'd maybe, we wouldn't even lose face realistically because we'd only talked about it to our members. We hadn't made any noise publicly. But, you know, we were falling on our faces this early in the process. Was it a mistake to move forward? Honestly, we've not felt like that for a hell of a long time in business, and it did not feel good. Failure never does. And make no mistake, we were failing. This was a failure to start. But we discussed it. We resolved, we knuckled down, we decided we were going to push through and that we would do whatever we needed to do to get this back on track. Starting with the brand. So we had to go back to the drawing board when it came to the event name and the brand. However, 
it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. After throwing around a bunch of ideas, the word retain just emerged as such a total no-brainer. Like, why the heck didn't we think of that before? It's so obvious. It's such a strong brand. It's such a strong word. It perfectly encapsulates what the event, help what the membership industry as a whole is all about. How come we didn't think of using that word as the brand for this event? Especially when the event is actually all about growth and retention. Memberships are all about retention. That is what makes memberships different from one-off purchases and one-off products. It's the fact you need to retain those customer relationships. The original brand we'd had, yeah, it was fun and we'd got a little bit carried away in thinking about, you know, how we could play with the theme that came with that brand. But retain was another level. We fell in love with that brand, even more so after our extremely talented designer, Carl Gray from Pixels Inc., created the logo and the brand identity and took that word retain and turned it into something pretty special. Carl absolutely smashed that. And that actually was quite humbling for me. You know, I've got a design background in running our digital marketing agency. So it takes every ounce of willpower for me to not just try and do everything on the design front and the website front when it comes to our business. This has been a mammoth task and a mammoth undertaking for me over the past few years to let go of this stuff. In particular, with Retain, I was so excited about that brand that all I wanted to do was jump in and just create the logo and do all the design stuff myself. But thankfully, Callie, ever the voice of reason, stopped me from doing that, reminded me that it's not what I should be doing now in my role in this business. And, of course, she was right. It paid off because Cole our designer, he created something way better than what I had in mind. Like, I was pretty crystal clear on what I wanted Call to create for the brand, and he created that because I said, go in, please, this, just do it like this. And if you've got any other ideas, you know, obviously put those together. Call created what I wanted him to create to a T, but then the other concept that he came up with was just so much better than mine. So, yeah. It really paid off to actually let go of that. Especially, it just makes sense in all areas of business. You've got to let go of some things. Even if it's stuff you enjoy doing or you're excited about doing, often things like that aren't the best use of your time. So, it really was a blessing in disguise. We ended up with a stronger brand, a stronger name overall than what we originally had. And it'll be interesting though, come 2020, if this other organization who would register those domain names if they do go ahead and run their event because there's no indication that they actually are going to do this to this day there still isn't any mention or any use of this brand but if they do it in 2020 or even in 2021 i'd be very curious as to whether i get any messages from listeners saying hey are those the guys you were talking about for now, though, I'm not going to name names or even say what the original brand was because that could cause issues down the road. However, Retain is honestly so much better than that original name. So we sorted out the brand. We would moved past that punch in the gut that almost made us quit. Next, we need to sort things out with the venue. So this time, we were more thorough. 
We broadened our horizons. We were a little more pragmatic. We did more research. We put a lot more thought into things. And actually, that more detailed, that more involved process led us to becoming more ambitious with our goals for the event that we had been. So it had this limit of 150 attendees in mind. We liked that number because it was small and intimate enough for real connections to be made in the room without the room feeling empty. However, the more we talked, the more venues we visited, the more we started really picturing what this event would look like, the bolder we became with that goal. And the more we realized that we could still have an intimate event with 200 or even 250 attendees. And in fact, aiming that little bit higher meant that we'd have a wider array of different industries, different personalities, different success levels, all of that sort of stuff that makes for even better connections and even better networking opportunities. So we'd actually written off and taken some options off the table in terms of our venue choice because of that 150 delegate limit. So now we'd raised that target Some of those options were back on the table and top of that list was the Hilton Hotel in Newcastle. I loved that venue. It was one of the first that I considered all the way back when we were first thinking about different venues. But again, we'd taken that off the table because we felt that it was maybe just a little too big for 150 delegates. We'd actually talked about it in terms of, you know, maybe this year, if we'll go for 150, then we'll go with that original venue that will not be named because they were a shambles. But then maybe year two, year three, as the event grows, then we can move it to the Hilton. So we were already talking about it as the ideal location for our conference. The location's great. The venue's great. It's a big hotel. It's fantastic conference facilities. It ticked all of the boxes. But we've been in that situation before. Our first venue ticked a hell of a lot of our boxes. So as we booked our appointment with the event team to take a look at the venue, we made sure that we kept a level head. We weren't getting our hopes up. We weren't getting too excited because we had been in that situation before with the first venue. Now, our meeting with the event team couldn't have been any more different to the first venue that we visited. They were just so on it. They totally got what we were doing. That first venue we went to, we were thinking so much more about the room. We were looking and concentrating almost entirely on the room itself. And we were asking a lot of the questions that we almost overlooked the fact that they didn't say much at all. They didn't really engage much. We were just so lost in looking around at this room. But with the Hilton, not only were we totally taken by the room itself and by the space but actually we were really taken by the event team as well they totally got what we were doing they totally got what we needed they answered every question that we had and a few that we hadn't even thought of and they just instilled so much confidence in us through how well organized they were how enthusiastic they were as well because again that first venue i'm not sure we ever actually felt that they were even excited or that bothered about the fact that we wanted to have our event there it wasn't the case with the hilton we were really really blown away they were so great to deal with so we locked in the date that day now i will admit there was that little voice in the head thinking oh but what happens we're going to get an email tonight saying oh there's another charge oh there's a new condition much like it happened with our first venue but those emails never came Everything was squared away, everything was signed, sealed, and all moving ahead professionally and positively. So, name, 
Sorted. Theme. Sorted. Date. Confirmed. Venue. Booked. Brand design. Done. Making progress. We'd also already confirmed about half of our speaker lineup, so it was just a case of then whipping up a landing page and getting all the tech stuff in place to take payments, take bookings, so we could actually announce the event to the world and start selling tickets. At this point, we were still almost a year away from the conference, so we knew that there wasn't a huge degree of urgency from a timeline perspective. Because of that, we decided we were going to offer a super early bird promotion on tickets for our launch, so we priced the tickets accordingly to reflect reflect just how far out we were because we knew that this was really going to be something at this stage that was all about our power members power users our super fans of course we gave our academy members an additional discount on their ticket too so retain isn't a member only event it's open to the public you don't need to be an academy member but our academy members do get their ticket 100 cheaper than non-members now, this obviously led to some membership signups as well, because if you're thinking about sign up for the Academy, then you might as well sign up now and get your ticket. It just makes sense. All right, so we launched a website. We announced the event officially after teasing it a bit for a week on social media and in our communities. We made a lot of noise on social, emails to our list, to our members, and so on. And for that first 24 hours after the announcement, man, was it tense. I think we checked our phones, both Callie and I, every 30 seconds waiting for a ticket sale. We went to bed that night having not sold a single ticket. That sounds like a disaster, right? But we expected that to happen. This wasn't a digital product launch. There wasn't an immediate deadline. The event was still a year away. So we knew that it wouldn't be a case of opening the doors and then sales would come flooding in instantly. But I'll be honest, part of you kind of hopes that that's what will happen, right? (laughs) We knew that it wouldn't because of course it didn't. Because we're saying, hey, we announced this and, you know, you've got a year to buy your ticket. And, yeah, we've got this great deal on for Super Early Birds. But this deal's going to be available for like a couple of months. (laughs) So, of course, no one's going to rush to buy their ticket in their first five or ten minutes. We knew that. But we did kind of still, you know hope that we'd be getting like sales every 20 seconds or something so we were still a little bit bummed that we didn't sell tickets right away but you just have to have a word with yourself and uh, realign your expectations but then the next day we did wake up to a bunch of sales the next morning and then a few more came in over the weekend and then a few more that week and as we moved close at the deadline for the super early bird promo we made more and more noise about the event we announced a few more speakers then of course those sales kept picking up as well and they spiked when that super early bird price promotion ended too things were still a little nervy up until around the point at which we hit that halfway point towards our uh, overall goal for attendees once we got past that point we certainly started feeling much much better and as i said we announced more speakers during that time too honestly with the exception of those two big setbacks that i talked about selecting speakers has maybe been the biggest challenge that we've had you know because this event is so laser focused on membership growth it does definitely make it a little more challenging to get the right speakers so our speakers not only need to have expertise that they can share on strategies and tactics that are useful to membership site owners and is going, are going to help memberships grow not only do they need that expertise they also need to understand memberships themselves it's so so important to us that everyone on stage either has a successful membership or is involved in a key role with a major membership so it's not enough to just be a great speaker 
It's not enough to just be an expert on something. You need to be able to talk about the expertise and share that expertise and teach people in the context of a membership site. We don't want generic stuff. Now, I've spoken at a lot of events around the world and I've attended even more than that. So over the years, I built great relationships with a lot of fantastic speakers. Plus, we have some pretty amazing people in our membership too. So there's a big pool of talent to draw from if you're looking for speakers in general. But that range of availability, that range of people to choose from get smaller and smaller and smaller once you start to actually look at just how specific our needs were for speakers. And even when you find the right people, then they also have to have the availability and the willingness to take part. We had a few people that we would have loved to have had on stage this year and that we've been talking to, but we just couldn't make it happen for various reasons. Good thing with that is that the seeds are planted for next year's lineup or the year after. So again, It's not all doom and gloom if there's been someone who we were trying to get this year and we can't get this year. Maybe next year. Who knows? Honestly, the biggest challenge with all that is just that there's some amazing speakers and some fantastic people who I would love to have on our stage, but they just aren't the right fit for this specific event this year. Either they don't have a membership or they do, but their expertise isn't related to it or maybe you know they are experts at a particular tactic or strategy but they've never applied it to the membership world or maybe they do have a membership but still really early on in its infancy or it's actually not very successful or they had a membership and they're closing it down and all that sort of stuff the parameters for the speakers that we want and the speaker's that we feel we need in order to do this event justice are just so tight and it is so hard to say no you know some of these people I talked about people who are amazing speakers they've got great knowledge that would be fantastic for a broader more general event some of them actually approached me and pitched because we have relationships we have friendships and it was so so hard to say no you always worry about offending people and when you say the reasons for it it always kind of feels like an excuse so that's definitely been something that honestly has been uh hard not hard to a point that it stops us in our tracks but it's certainly an unpleasant thing that i hadn't necessarily anticipated So as we were putting all the different pieces of the puzzle in place for the event, during that time, I also attended a couple of other events in the UK. And actually, I went to those with the main purpose of scouting speaking talent and establishing relationships with some people who I thought might be a good fit for our event. And that really paid off because from doing that, I locked down a couple of great speakers who I hadn't previously seen speaking, but I'd heard a lot of good stuff about. I knew that they had memberships. I knew that their subject matter expertise aligned with our events and what our attendees would be interested in. So actually going to those events, I think it's real important if you're running an event of your own to go to other events either to scout speaking talent or just to pay attention and and look at how they run you'll find yourself looking at things thinking about things paying attention to stuff and noticing things that you otherwise wouldn't and if you have the chance to pick the brains of the actual team involved in organizing the event then that's a great bonus too so i would definitely recommend that if you're thinking about doing an event of your own get out there and go to other events much in the same way that we recommend people running a membership join other memberships you learn so much more from observing what other people are doing if you're planning to do something similar 
So this all pretty much brings us close to where we are today. That's the story so far. The super early bird promotion on ticket sales ended. The prices have gone up. We've done a couple of flash promotions during December as part of our advent calendar campaign. Those generated some additional sales. And we also just introduced an installment option for people to be able to actually split the payments for their tickets across two installments as well and that again has brought in some additional sales now we eased off on promotion of the event during the holiday period but now that we're in early january we're about to start a big push we've got the next four months of promotion mapped out we haven't planned any further ahead of that so that'll bring us to around about april may time we didn't want to plan any further than that because of course you know we sell out tickets by march but we planned out detailed promotion plans up to september then you know we've got no tickets left then half of that plan or two-thirds of that plan becomes redundant so we've mapped out the next three or four months and then we'll be able to see where we are at at the end of that period and look at what sort of uh, stuff we need to do moving forward too. We've also locked down some great sponsors. We're going to be announcing those in the coming weeks. Again, these are largely companies that we had some sort of pre-established relationship with that we built over the years of running the membership guys. And we've got a list of others where we don't actually necessarily have an established relationship, but we're going to approach them. And that's obviously going to have a different tact uh, than the sponsors that we've lined up so far deciding what to actually offer sponsors on the subject of sponsorship that was a lengthy conversation we thought about a pick and mix approach where we just presented people with a list of 20 or 30 different things they could potentially pop their logo on and they just pick and choose what they want to sponsor but instead we opted to keep it simple we created a package that included things like having your logo on signage swag and the swag bags profile on the website all that sort of stuff So we created that as a single package. There's no picking and choosing. And we offered out eight main sponsor slots. Every sponsor gets the same stuff. So that's kept things simple. It's made it a lot easier to uh, go out to sponsors and get them on board. Now, the funny thing is we had a few people asking whether or not if they sponsored the event, if they can come onto the podcast or... If they can speak on stage, we actually had quite a few people saying, if I pay the sponsor, does that also give me the ability to come on stage and deliver a presentation? As far as we're concerned, neither of those are an option. We decided that early on. The integrity of this event is not for sale. Same goes for my podcast. The integrity of the event is a must, and I just don't feel comfortable with that sort of pay-to-play. I know there are events where essentially you pay the organizer and they put you on stage, but they're terrible. (laughs) They're terrible because people aren't getting put on stage on the basis of them being the right person for that event. They're being put on, on stage on the basis of them having enough money in their wallet and being willing to pay and we're adamant that this is a no sales pitch event our speakers won't be selling from the stage they you're not going to get ushered to the back of the room to buy some expensive program like they do at some other events this isn't something that we're doing as you know stage one of a sales funnel where we're going to try and upsell you to some sort of expensive mastermind group that is not what we're about this event has a lot of integrity and i don't know Letting sponsors buy a speaking slot, when you think about the fact, you know, we're not letting speakers sell from the stage, it's a zero pitch event, selling a speaking slot almost kind of feels like a, almost an underhanded workaround 
to that promise that we're making to our attendees and yeah the same goes for our podcast you can't just buy your way onto our podcast in all fairness you know this isn't disparaging the people who who asked this because it's worryingly common in the event space that this is something that is offered and we got absolutely no kickback and no negative feedback whatsoever from the people who had approached us and asked about that stuff when we told them it was a no-go it is a double-edged sword though because there are actually a couple of speakers who have companies that would make for good sponsors. And there's a couple of sponsors where I had actually considered asking them to speak before they asked us if they could sponsor. So it definitely makes things tricky. Because if I went to some of the speakers whose companies I think are a great fit and offered them our sponsorship package, people are probably going to think when they see them on stage that they are there because they sponsored, right? And vice versa. If I go to some of our sponsors and say, actually, you know what? We'd love to have you do 30 minutes on this topic. Again, people are going to assume that they're on stage because they're paid. It's not a major thing. It's 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 just one of those things. Um, but it's it's interesting. Little things like this you don't necessarily think of in advance. But anyway, just one of those things. We've now locked down our speaker list, so that is done. It's confirmed. And after much hand-wringing, we've finalised the agenda, which we're going to be adding onto the website soon. In fact, it may already be live by the time this episode has gone out, so you can go to retainlive.com and see if that is the case. Uh, just a couple of other random notes, random tidbits you guys might be interested in before we wrap this up. So I mentioned that we have a discounted ticket price for our members. So we have two prices listed on our site. One's a, no, a non-member price, one's a member price. That's preferential rate for members, that's true of absolutely everything that we do. Members will always get first dibs on everything we do, and they'll always get the best price on everything we do. However, this isn't a member-only event. We have a lot of non-members buying tickets. So um, it's one of those things, again, you don't necessarily think about in advance, but we, uh, we considered whether or not we should create a private section in our member forum for the members who were going and whether that would mean our non-members are almost excluded, whether it was too punitive for our non-members, whether we somehow get our non-members into our forum, whatever. Uh, as much as I'm not a big fan of Facebook groups for paid membership communities, in the end, we made a decision to create a Facebook group. So, uh, Facebook group for all attendees of the event because it's really important for us that our attendees have the opportunity to mix and to chat with each other before, during and after the event. It gives us a real easy way of being able to communicate with those guys and keep them up to date on what's happening as well. So the Facebook group made sense. I think it is good if you can foster uh, conversations and connections before your event happens. It's very much worth doing. As I said earlier, uh, we knew that opening up sales for the event and announcing it so early, so a year before the conference, we knew that that would take some of the urgency out of things, which is why we ran that super early bird promo. So we'd have that kind of incremental deadline to so have the super early bird, the early bird, and then the regular over the space of the year. What we actually found was that a lot of the people who bought those super early bird tickets are people from outside of the UK. We've got loads of people coming from the USA. We've got attendees from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Russia, the United Arab Emirates. And of course, we've got attendees from all over Europe too. And we do have people coming from the UK, but currently there are more people coming from outside of it. When you think of it, it makes sense. Because for those guys, for people who don't live in the UK, 
it's beneficial to book tickets early and to make your plans early because it's cheaper to get your flights early. You want to make sure you've got your hotel reservations and stuff like that. There's a lot more to take care of if you're traveling overseas for an event, whereas people in the UK, they've got less to sort out. So that was definitely a big upside to opening up the sales so early. It just made it easier and more feasible for people who are overseas to actually attend. Speaking of the location, we did wonder about the location. We wondered whether it being in the UK would make it less likely that overseas members would come. This was a particular consideration because most of our audience, most of our members, are from outside of the UK. About 60% of our Academy members are from the USA. And so, you know, we wondered, are we doing ourselves a disservice running this event in the UK? Now, running it anywhere other than the UK was never really a serious option. There's a lot of complicated implications as UK residents going over to another country and putting on an event. And these weren't complications we wanted to deal with. Tax, visa, not to mention, you know, liaising with the people you need to liaise with. Going and visiting some venues in, in Newcastle is so much easier than jumping on a plane and going to visit some venues in San Diego. So um, we were never really going to do it outside the UK, but we did wonder whether that was really going to stymie the uh, scope of how many people would even think about coming. And then we also had that little bit of a crisis of confidence about holding it in Newcastle. There's this strange, outdated notion in the UK that if you're doing a UK event, it needs to be in London because otherwise people won't travel to it. London's our capital, people expect events to be there, and people from London will not go to other parts of the country for events. Now that's ludicrous, it's ridiculous, we kind of knew that it was, but it did give us pause for thought and we did wonder, for this first one, should we play safe and do it in London initially? But Newcastle, it's our hometown. I was born and bred here, myself and Callie have been living here together for the better part of a decade, so it had to be in Newcastle and you know we're not just doing it here because it's where we're from Newcastle is an amazing amazing city and for people who are accustomed to going to events in London Newcastle's also a hell of a lot easier on the wallet as well uh, so it's a cheaper city to visit for uh, conferences so yeah now maybe this will be something that moves location every year maybe it'll stay in the northeast who knows we'll see Anyway, so that's the journey so far. There's still around nine months to go at the time of recording, so there's still plenty to do. I was literally just in a meeting with uh, an AV company this morning discussing stage designs, production requirements, and all that stuff. We'll be getting all that locked down this month. We're liaising with speakers on the final details of their sessions, and we're going to be adding profiles and so on to our website, as well as looking at ideas for working with them on an individual basis to promote their involvement. So all that's still going on. The website will be getting fleshed out over the coming weeks with more information, local stuff like recommended pubs, restaurants, other hotels, attractions, travel directions, all of that. We're going to be building that out. And of course, we've got a big push for ticket sales happening in the next few months too. You'll see us talking about Retain Live a lot more in terms of the specific sessions, profiling the speakers and really getting the message out there about why this is a total no-brainer event to attend for anyone running a membership. So lots happening. 
All very exciting and September 2019 will be here before we know it. You can, of course, keep up with all the developments at retainlive.com. And obviously, we would love to see you there if you haven't already bought your ticket. It really is a must-attend event for anyone wanting to grow their membership business. So do head over to the website, grab your ticket while you still can. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I know it's a bit of a change of pace, a change of style, and maybe slightly different in terms of its content compared to usual episodes, but hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I know some of our audience have spoken about the idea of running an event for their members or running an event to grow their brand or their audience, and many of you listening will have already done so, running events of different scales. So I figured it was definitely worth sharing the behind the scenes of our journey so far to running Retained Live 2019. As always, though, I'd love to hear from you if you found this useful. Have you enjoyed it? Would you like us to do another little update close at the time to uh, let you know on the progress made between now and then? Let me know. Hit me up on social at Membership Guys. That's me on Twitter. Or let me know inside our free Facebook group. You can either search for Membership Mastermind on Facebook or type in talkmemberships.com to your browser. That will redirect you to our group and you can let me know your thoughts in there. And of course, if you have any questions about the conference or about anything we talked about today, then you can reach me on those channels as well. That's it from me for this week. Again, I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Hope you found something useful or at the very least, you found it entertaining or interesting. I'll be back again next week with another installment of the Membership Guys podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out the membersiteacademy.com. The Member Site Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. So whether you're still figuring out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Member Site Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Member Site Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. So check it out at membersiteacademy.com.